This episode of Going Forward is brought to you by Optimizer, an award-winning PPC management tool used by advertisers worldwide. Save time and boost the performance of your PPC campaigns on Facebook, Amazon, and Google, or Microsoft. Get a 14-day free trial at optimizer.com go slash VIP. Guess what, everyone? You know, Kanye West, he is the college dropout. Well, I got the dropout multimillionaire on the line with me today. <laughs> How about that, man? I can't <laughs> look to Kanye that. West, man. Come on now. <laughs> but you know what? I love the title of the book, The Dropout Multimillionaire. So today on the line with me, I have Mr. Brian Will. And I'm going to tell you, you're going to want to listen to this entire episode. Uh, I, I'm going to pick his brain. We're going to talk about, you know, uh, being an entrepreneur, becoming a serial entrepreneur, selling your business, you know, the mindset that you have to have inside of having a multi-million dollar business, you know, why do businesses fail? Why do they succeed? And we're going to talk all that stuff today with Mr. Brian Will. But before we jump into it, Brian, I want you to tell these people exactly who you are and what you do, man. Oh, man, Eric, hey, thanks for having me on the show today. So if I have a 30 second background, it's failed out of high school, joined the military, started a business. Did uh, was successful, failed, lost everything, started another business, did okay, did another one, sold to venture capital, another one to venture capital, another one to private equity, consulting for Fortune 500 companies, wrote a couple of books in politics today. I my, my background runs the gamut of anything you can imagine. Damn. Well, I think first and foremost, thank you for your service. To our I country. appreciate that. Yeah. And and now, I mean, with hearing the highs and lows, I mean, you just described it in that 30 second pitch, man. It sounds like you're addicted to business or addicted to being an entrepreneur. I'm a bit ADHD, Eric, so I get bored easily. So I, when I'm building a company, if somebody comes along and offers me money, I'm like, done. I'll take your money. I'll do something mm -hmm. else. And that's what I've mm -hmm. done over and over and over. So, I mean, when you build a business, is it usually something that, you know, you're passionate about or something you just see like there's opportunity in that? My first business, you got to remember, I'm the guy, kid who failed out of high school. So no education, no discernible job skills, got out of the military off active duty, got fired from about five jobs, got fired as a waiter. I worked a 12 hour double shift as a waiter and I owed them $6 at the end of the day. What? What a story. Was, talk, talk to me about that. I was not a good waiter. The owner of that business comes to me at the end of the double shift. He says, Brian, I think you need to find a new career. This one is not for you. Oh my gosh. Now the follow-up funny story is years and years, 25 years later, I own a chain of restaurants today. He applied for a job with my company to be a district manager for us. Stop. And I sat down, we sat down. I said, do you, you don't remember me, do you? And he goes, no, I don't. And I said, you fired me 25 years ago because I owed you $6 at the end of a 12 hour shift. Oh my he, God. He started laughing. He goes, I guess I'm not getting this job. Am I? <laughs> did, did you give him the job? I did not. <laughs> and it wasn't because he wasn't good enough. I just had better candidates, but it was a great, right. great end of that story. Right. I mean, you, know, you know what, though? I, you know, when I was in media, I had a boss that actually told me I didn't know how to own, how to uh, negotiate ad agency business. No kidding. Mm -hmm. And when they told me that, I ended up owning an ad agency that did multi-millions. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes and, and, and you know, honestly, like, uh, it's times like that where uh, you think you've reached rock bottom, especially like, you know, mm -hmm. when getting an evaluation like that from who's supposed to be my leader. Yep. And then you owe in $6 at the end of the night, you feel like, you know, you know damn, you know, 
I got nowhere else to go but up. Tell me about that feeling. I mean, because you could have given up and just said, screw this. Well, but I got fired. What did you learn? Go ahead. Sorry. What did you learn? Well, I got fired and then I tried another job and I ended up getting a job as a bus boy. Uh, and that's where I met my wife and we ended up getting married. But I'd always had this thing in my head that I, I, I think it was from my grandfather growing up. He had a third grade education, but he owned multiple businesses. And he was, mm. you know, he did his own thing, lived his own life. And I always had that desire in me to be able to, to want to do that. So after getting fired from so many jobs, I, I decided I'd actually taken a job working on a landscaping crew mowing grass. And I, I was sitting in the, the landscaping truck one day and I thought to myself, what am I doing? Anybody can mow grass and dig holes. I'm going to start my own business. So it wasn't right. that I had a passion. It's just with no education, I figured I could landscape. That's why I started it. Right. And seven years later, I had seven franchises of that company and we were doing really well. And of course, then I lost everything, uh, went broke again mm-hmm. and started over selling insurance. And I worked for an insurance agency for six weeks. And I thought to myself, why am I working for these guys? I can do this on my own. So right. I started my own insurance agency. And two years later, I sold it to a venture capital company. So just yeah, I, progression. I, I want to ask you about that, though. I mean, um, you, you lost everything, but you came back. It's almost like the Rocky philosophy in business. You know, you get beat and then you just keep coming back for more, you know. But, you know, what, I mean, what were you thinking? Like when you go down, I mean, do you learn lessons on your way down like that to say, like, if I do this again, I'm going to come back and I'm going to do this different. I mean, to, tell me about those lessons, Brian, because you don't just come back, you know, come keep coming back for more blows unless you got your stuff together. Well, so two things. First of all, at the time when the landscaping company crashed and burned, I was married with a three-year-old with health problems. So mm. you don't have a choice to not do anything. I mean, yeah. it's not like you're just going to say, you know what? I quit. Yeah. And I still, 10 years later, still had no education and no discernible job skills. So you just got to go out there and figure out what it is and you got to go hustle it. And that's what mm-hmm. I did. And mm-hmm. even when I got insurance, I had no passion for insurance, but it was just a way I saw that I could make money. So you know, success in life. And, and, and if I have a superpower, it's that I learn from every mistake. And I mm. can look back at my life. Every bad thing that ever happened to me turned into something better, without a doubt. If my landscaping company hadn't crashed, I wouldn't have gotten insurance. If I didn't get insurance, I wouldn't have sold to a venture capital company. If I hadn't sold to the first venture capital company, I wouldn't have got the second and the third. And I wouldn't have what I have today. So realistically, that business crash gave me everything I've got. As long as you take the lessons and learn, you continue to go forward. Here in the South, we call that you turn a lesson to a blessing is yes. what we call it here in the South, you know, yes. but you, you know, you, you mentioned like you were actually on the landscape crew and then you just said, you know, what am I doing? Um, do, do you think like anyone can do this? And, I, and I'm going to ask you this, you know, you know, for my own selfish reasons, because everyone feels that they can be an entrepreneur, but mm-hmm. not everyone has that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so what, what did you, what made you feel like, you know, I can do this. I mean, I know you already felt like you were on rock bottom, but what was it inside of you that just said, you know what, I I really have the ability to do this. I've always had a weird belief in myself, right. That I could do whatever it is I wanted to do, but I want to answer your other question, Eric. So, and I, I teach this, uh, Mm -hmm. when we do in my, my, uh, mastermind class, the dip, Whatever level of success you want to achieve in life, there are going to be a required set of lessons that you're going to have to go through. And the example oh, yeah. I use is, let's just say there's a hundred lessons to get mm-hmm. from zero to success, whatever your success is. Everybody starts in business at a different level. Some people might, you know, if they've got a master's degree or an MBA and they they got money and they got backing, they might start at 50 and they only have to learn 50 lessons. 
me, right. I had to learn 110. Like there's only a hundred. I still had 10 more just to get to the bottom. Right. Wow. wow. Everybody can succeed, but whatever it is they want, as long as they're willing to go through and learn all the lessons along the way. And mm-hmm. that, that's failure after failure, after failure, after failure, too many people quit before they figured out all the lessons and they never get to the top and they never achieve the success they want. You can do it. If you will keep learning the lessons, right? And mm-hmm. the back end of that story is there is a way to skip lessons. And that is to find a coach or a mentor who can come in and say, Hey man, don't do that. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't do that. You're doing that wrong. Do it this way. I've already been there. I've already done that. I've already tried that. It's not going to work. You right. get a good coach or mentor. They can start skipping lessons and accelerate your growth to get to that level of success. It's not about personality. It's not about education. Clearly I have none. It's not about money. I had no money. It's not about any of those things. It's about going through the lessons and learning. But the problem is, Eric, and you may, I always tell people this, Eric. So here's my question. Have you ever met anybody that no matter what they do, they can't seem to win? Can't see, just can't seem to succeed. And I've seen people like that is normally their mindset. that holds. There's other people that everything they touch turns to gold. Yeah. That is all. You just said it. It's all about your mindset. It's the way your brain accepts and rejects information. It's the way you think. It's the way you make decisions. And in business, if you've never been successful in business, you don't know how. you got to bring in a coach or a mentor who has been successful, who can show you what to do, tell you where you're making mistakes, flatten that learning curve, and help yeah. you get to that success level you want. Anybody can do it. You just have to go through it and get there. Tell me, tell me about your mentor and some of the mentors that you've had and how they've influenced you in a positive way. You know, I didn't use mentors my first 15 years, and that's why I kept failing. And that's just the fact. It was when I finally found the first guy that I was going to let be my mentor that that my business accelerated and we took off. And three years later, we had a massive private equity exit. So uh, my first mentor just passed away not too long ago. He was he was a great guy, but I've had many and and I take mentors in different areas. I've got two right now, one that helps me build oops, helps me build my podcast. And I have another one that's helping me build social media. So we call these coaches in different areas. Yeah, but I'll, I'll give you another funny one. So after I'd sold my company in 08, I went out to see one of my mentors in Park City and I said, I want to write a book. And he goes, why would anybody buy your book? And I was like, wow, I don't know. Why would they? He goes, you're writing a book about you. You need to write a book for the audience if they're going to read it. And that's the difference. And it took me another 10 years to figure that out. And then I wrote my first book and it's a Wall Street Journal USA Today bestseller. And today he's like, I'm so proud of you. Yeah. You know, but it was a hard lesson back then. You just don't write a book and it's going to be successful. You got to figure out what the audience wants to hear and what the audience needs to learn. And that's what you write about. So that's a great point. Yeah, I, I got stuck in that same avenue, too. It was like, man, I got a story to tell. Like, what do I say? I can't mm-hmm. make it about me because right. uh, it's not like you're a celebrity or anything else. You exactly. Know? That's what he said. Uh, you're not a celebrity. Yeah. Nobody's going to read your story. <laughs> right. It's like, who, who's Brian? You know, well, Brian, um, when you. How, how do you find, how do you know when you have a good mentor? Because uh, like right now, especially today, okay, there's every, every time you go on YouTube, someone's popping up, buy my course, mm-hmm. I'm a coach, I'm a mm-hmm. mentor. How in the hell do you recognize who's a good mentor? This is so, so, so important. And I tell people this all the time. I can go online right now and get a coaching certificate for $149 and be a certified coach, right? You have got to vet the people that you are going to allow to put information in your brain because because that information that goes in your brain changes your filter and affects the way you think and the decision-making and whether you're going to be successful or not. 
Mm-hmm. You got to vet those people and they have to have had success doing what it is that you want to do. Yeah. Right. I know there's a coach right in when I, when I live in Atlanta, she's like four miles from me. I know for a fact, everything she's ever done has failed. And I mean, failed huge. And yet mm. she is a master coach. Like you're, the only thing you can teach is what you've done. Otherwise yeah. you're just hurting people because you have no idea how to succeed because you've never done it on your own. That's true. Right. If anything, if anything, they're just marketing themselves That's really, awesome. really well. Amazing at- social media, amazing graphics, amazing content, but there's no substance behind it. Wow. You know, so vet the people, vet them hard. Make sure that they've had the success. I always say, here's another one. Wow. I'll tell you this, Eric. I tell people, stop chasing the advice of billionaires because a billionaire thinks at a level that has no relation to what you and I are doing right now. Right. That's true. You that's need to true. find somebody 10 steps ahead of you, 20 steps ahead of you. That's been there and done that. That can say, I just did that and I'm going to succeed. Mm-hmm. And I always use this example. If you owned a trucking company in San Francisco and you are moving product to LA, right? Me and you would be like, okay, what's the best time of day? How do we skip traffic? You know, how do I get around this route, that route? Let's ask a billionaire, Elon Musk. He got stuck in traffic one day and you know what he did? He started, oh, the, <laughs> he st- he started the boring company to dig tunnels underneath places so he could move his car faster, right? That advice isn't going to help me and you. Mm -hmm. But so find somebody that's 10 to 20 steps ahead, been there, done that, and can walk in and just be like, man, I just did this. Don't do that. Don't do that. Do this, do this. Coaches and mentors are so important. So it's definitely safe to say, you know, if you have a mentor, make sure they've done, they have done what you're doing, right? Right. Um, I I remember John Maxwell, he said something, um, he had gotten off stage once and someone went up to him and they said, man, you know, that is awesome. Everything you said, I loved it. I want to do what you do. And John Maxwell said, that's great. But do you want to do what I did? Exactly. You know, and, and I think that's the number one thing that people, they don't think about when choosing a mentor or even looking at someone for guidance or success or anything else. And, and like you said, you failed many times until you got yourself a mentor. And that's where I think the difference is for a lot of people, man. I call myself the 20 year overnight success because all (laughs) anybody ever sees is what happened yesterday. They don't see what I did to get there. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, What are some things, I mean, in, in creating all the businesses that you've done, right. What are some things that people should keep in mind when starting a business? Because, you know, that is like, uh, there's no perfect answer to that. I mean, so how do you answer something like that, Brian? So I call this the five keys to success. You want to hear those? Bring it. Okay. So we start off with a premise that most people that start their businesses are technically a specialist or a technician in what they do. Right. And I use the example of Joe, the plumber. Joe, the Mm -hmm. plumber, Joe worked for a plumbing company for 20 years. Now he wants to start a business. Joe's going to start Joe's plumbing. Mm -hmm. If Joe's plumbing doesn't succeed, it's not because Joe doesn't know how to be a plumber. It's because Joe doesn't understand the soft skills of running a business. And Mm. that's the difference between success and failure. Most businesses don't fail for the technical. They fail for the soft skills. Okay. With that in mind, I say there are five things or five keys to success in business. I actually wrote this for Forbes magazine. Okay. And number one is if you never successfully run a business, you need to check your ego and realize you don't know what you're doing. Right. You don't know how to make the proper decisions. And with that in mind, you need to get a coach or a mentor who's been there and done that to help you. That's okay. step number one. Check your ego, understand you don't know what you're doing, get a coach mentor. Got it. Number two, you need to figure out, and this has got to be a hard why, why are you doing this business? 
because mm. I'm going to tell you right now, the whole world is going to be against you when you're building this company. There's going to be problems, issues, employees, the government, taxes, everything you can imagine is going to come at you. And it's going to be like hitting a wall of bricks all the time. And if oh the why God. you're building this business isn't strong enough, you will quit and give up. And you remember those hundred lessons? You'll never yep. get to the top. That's right. So you yep. got to have a why that is bigger than the problems that are going to come at you. So you got to mm -hmm. figure out that why. Number three. Three, you got to figure out who you are in business. And you said this earlier, not everybody who starts a business is technically an entrepreneur. That's true. Not everybody who starts a business is a good manager. Joe, the plumber knows how to be the plumber. He's a technician. He doesn't know how to be the manager of the business and do the paperwork and manage the taxes. Mm -hmm. You got to understand who you are in the business and then backfill the other roles that are necessary in order for your business to succeed. I agree hundred percent. I am a horrible manager. Don't ask me details. I think in bullet points. If you put a piece of paper, I read the first two sentences and I fall asleep, right? Brian, you're my brother from another mother. I'm just telling you, I know my weakness, but I also know what I'm good at, right? So yeah. who yeah. are you in your business? And then backfill the rest. Mm -hmm. Four, why would anybody buy your product from you? Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you're just starting a business and you have the same product as everybody else and the same service as everybody else, why is anybody going to buy it from you? You need mm -hmm. to figure out what makes you different, what makes you unique, what makes people want to come to you to buy your product. Otherwise, they can go anywhere. You're never going to scale a business unless why people should buy from you is clear cut in their minds, right? Yeah. They need to know, well, this is why I, I own a restaurant in downtown Alpharetta, which is my hometown. I'm the only bar in downtown that has 20, 55 inch TVs. I have domestic beer on tap. And we play sports and we have music bingo and music on the weekends. Nobody else does that. That's why they come see me. I have, a, I right. know why people come to me. Okay. Why should they buy your product? And number four, and this one's critical for business owners. You need to understand the math and the numbers behind your profit and loss statement. You need to understand how your business runs. You don't have to be mm -hmm. a CPA. You don't have to do the accounting, but you have to understand the critical metrics inside your business so that you can track whether you're winning or losing on every single right. line item, that is one of the most critical skills that entrepreneurs are missing. They don't manage their P&Ls or profit and loss statements, and that's why they end up failing. So mm -hmm. those are my five keys. That's a summary. Takes a lot longer to go through them, but that's my summary. You know, uh, Marcus Simone has had this line. He said, if you don't know your numbers, you don't know your business. Yes. And, you know, I, <laughs> I, I, I actually worked in restaurants, too, and I used to work for a brand called Ruby Tuesday. Sure. Right? Yep. And when I first started at Ruby Tuesday, this was 1990. I'm dating myself, Brian. <laughs> 1996, 97 is when okay. I started with them. And when I worked with them, I went around opening restaurants. I opened like 19 restaurants. I would go troubleshoot restaurants that were in trouble. So like six restaurants, I would go troubleshoot. So if a restaurant had a food cost problem, I would go in. Yep. Uh, when the restaurants would open up, you know, you go in pre-opening for a second week of opening. You've seen it all before. Um, and what I learned from running restaurants has taken me, uh, I still use today, mm -hmm. even in marketing, still use it today. Um, and, and we talked about, you know, just the product, you know, if you are serving your signature item and you go to two different tables with that same signature item specs and everything else, plate presentation, you're going to get two different personalities and two yep. different kinds of behaviors. So then it, it taught you people. You know, mm -hmm. and, I, and I remember, you know, um, my old restaurant boss said, he said, what's the most expensive piece 
of equipment inside the entire restaurant. And I'm looking around. I'm like, oh, the Dell field, <laughs> the, the Dell field, the, the walk-in fridge. He said, no, an empty seat. Yep. And, and, and I never thought about it. I was like, wow. I was like, that's it. And he's the one who taught me. He said, you lose money when you're busy. And you have to make sure that you have your specs, you know, your product, you know, your procedures all in place before you get busy. Mm -hmm. But like the most important thing that you just said, the last number five I want to jump on is the numbers. Because one of the things I, I learned when I was being a restaurant manager was I learned inventory. I learned numbers. I learned I had to be under a 28% food variance to be able to make money. Mm -hmm. I had to keep my labor below 18%. And those things kind of, they go into business today for me. Mm -hmm. So I learned, I learned those set of numbers and there was a time when I first started my own business where I, I swear we almost ran ourselves out of business mm -hmm. and we were so, we were so busy, but the problem was we were cheap. We were too cheap. <laughs> we were too good to be true cheap. And we mm -hmm. were really good at what we were doing. I couldn't figure out. I was like, we're so busy. Yeah. Why, why, why are we like struggling to make any money? And it was because we were cheap. Yep. So uh, that last point, which I think is really important. So how many people do you run across that know they know their business, but they don't know the business of their business? Very few small business owners, and I'll call it zero to five million, understand the deal. I've gone in to buy restaurants many times. And the first thing I always ask the, the, the seller is, give me 24 months worth of your P&Ls month by month so I can look at them. Because what I want to do is what we call pattern recognition through P&L analysis, historical P&Ls. Mm -hmm. And Eight out of 10 times, they're like, oh, we don't keep that information. Like, how can you not keep that? How do you even know what you're doing? Wow. I can tell you when I hire management, I just, I just interviewed a manager from a big chain, national chain, to come work for me. And, and this person said, yeah, I manage all the, the, the ordering for the liquor and the food. I said, oh, well, how do you, and I, this is my trick question. How do you determine how much liquor to order each week? And, mm -hmm. she, and she said, well, wait, I just, I figure out what we're low on. And then I just order that. And I'm like, no, that is not how you do it. Sales. No, that's not how you do it. I can tell God. you that there are four metrics in a restaurant that will determine whether you succeed or fail. And it's revenue against food costs, liquor costs, labor costs. Food, liquor, and labor costs have to be within two, one to two percentage points of the target. And if you're Absolutely. outside of that, you're losing money. And right. if your people who are doing your ordering don't understand those metrics, then who the hell knows what's going on? Right. Absolutely. You're just, you're, yeah. You're, yeah. You're, you're spitting in the wind. You're shooting in the dark. It makes no sense. And this applies to every business. It's amazing how many business owners and they're like, well, I don't understand the numbers. I, I'm, I'm, they're confusing to me. Then bring somebody else in who does exactly. and explain it to you because you're not ever going to succeed or scale if you don't understand the basics of business. And the basics is that profit and loss statement. Hey, it's Eric here from VIP Marketing, and I want to ask you digital marketers something. Are you frustrated with your current PPC marketing campaigns? Well, I want to tell you about a tool that we use here at our agency. It's called Optimizer. You have the ability to get your reports up to date and make sure that you get alerts on them. You can even work into workflows as well. So if you're frustrated with your campaigns right now and the reporting systems that you use, I want to give you a 14-day free trial of Optimizer. Go to optimizer.com slash go slash VIP. Is it important? You mentioned this earlier. You said your horrible detail. You read the first two bullet points. Is it important to make sure that you hire your weakness inside of a business? Without question. Again, I... I have a, I have a three person accounting staff, like one person does payroll, one person does HR, one person does 
uh, AP and AR um, data entry, right? Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. when I, of of all the mass information that comes in, I look at six metrics in my company. Just give me these six line items. That's all I want to see. Because I know that those are the core metrics and if I can track those metrics as they go up and down, right? right? Profit, cash flow, outstanding bills, amount of money in the bank, and then break it down by each restaurant in the restaurant chain. So I know exactly what metrics to look at wow. so that I don't have to pour through mass amounts of data. Um, mm-hmm. And that applies to any business, um, any business. You know, um, I met a, a guy, I don't know if you know him, his name is Vern Harnish. And uh, he wrote this book called Scaling Up. And we were in um, Key West at a, at a conference. And and one of the things were very, very intimate. So like 15 people in a room. With is Bernard he out of Chicago? Uh, I think he is. Um, he is my friend's is. business partner. He's an mergers and acquisitions guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a, a very, very talented entrepreneur. Yeah. And um, one of the things that he said was, he said, you know, people, uh, you like to trust your gut. He said, but the one thing you need to do if you're, trusting your gut is feed your gut right mm-hmm. and, and i wanted to ask you like you know sometimes with business owners we we don't rely on others or we think that we know the answers should we rely on our own advice and how should they make decisions i just did a podcast it came out this week uh with a guy named jason duncan and the title of the podcast is stop taking your own damn advice mm. and it gets back to the very first thing we talked about if you've never been successful at doing what you're doing then your own advice is probably not very good Right. Because you don't have that experience necessary to make those decisions. They're usually so, making an emotional decision at some point. Or you're guessing. Right. So we I call this your personal filter, right? Your personal filter is what sits behind your brain. It's your subconscious. And every bit of information that comes at you every day is filtered through this personal filter, we call it. And that filter mm-hmm. accepts or rejects whatever's coming into you. And if it accepts it, it goes into it's, it's an alive living thing. It goes into the next decision-making process. And I always like to mm-hmm. say people are listening to me on this podcast and there are people that are going, ah, I don't, this guy didn't know what he's talking about. Right. And there are other people that are going, oh my God, that's gold. I'm going to use right. that. And that is right. a product of how they are accepting or rejecting information based on when they were born, what their parents told them, when they went to school, what their teachers told them, what their friends told them, what the peer pressure came in, their, their college professors, their bu- every bit of information, every TV show you watch, every book you read, it all affects this filter and it, it determines how you accept or reject information, mm-hmm. which is why some people always succeed and some people always fail. They don't know mm. how to process the information correctly. Right? right. So yes, you have to, if you are not if your filter is not good and you have never done it before, then your filter doesn't know how to process information to be successful in business. That's mm-hmm. why you get to bring somebody else in to do it for you. And sometimes people are just comfortable receiving information that they're, that they're okay receiving. Well, it's an ego thing. Ah, I don't want to listen to that guy or whatever. I can tell you, I didn't go to college. I fell out of high school, but I have read more books than probably anybody I know. I mean, hundreds. Mm -hmm. Can I tell you my favorite three books if you're a business owner? Yeah. Here's my favorite three books. First is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It is the the baseline book for anybody who wants to start a business. Robert Kiyosaki, right? Oh my gosh, yes. Second is a book called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. Heard of Malcolm Gladwell. Blink explains what I just told you about this accepting and rejecting information in real time. And basically blink says you make decisions in the blink of an eye without ever thinking about it. You're not processing it. You're just, you're making decisions just like that. And those decisions are made by that personal filter, I call it. So that's Mm -hmm. a really good book. Mm -hmm. And the third one is called the E-Myth, the E-Myth Revisited. And it talks about the four personalities in the business. It talks about think 
that entrepreneurs most of the time aren't really entrepreneurs. Just because you start a business doesn't make you an entrepreneur. There you most, go. Most people that start businesses probably shouldn't be running the very business they start. I, I agree. So that's a really good book to email. I give those away like candy. So three really, really good books. One of the things you, you talked about earlier was uh, ego. So how, how do you, for the people who say like, uh, you know what? I love what you're saying, Brian. Brian, everything that you're saying is gold. You're giving me jewels, gems. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to get my ego out of the way so I can move forward with my business. How do they, how do you do that? And what advice would you have for people that want to get their ego in check and move forward and be better business owners? So here's the deal. The reason you can't get your ego in check is because your filter's messed up. Okay. So if you're actually asking me that question and you actually want to know the answer, then I will tell you to forget what you think you want to do and make a conscious decision right now that I'm going mm -hmm. to check my ego, mm. make a decision to check your ego, then make a decision to hire somebody, a coach or a mentor to come in and help you make decisions better than what you're doing. You have to put aside what you think, what you want to do, what, you know, put that aside. If you believe what I'm telling you and make a decision to check your ego and then make a decision to find somebody to help you. And if you right. will do those two things, you will be a thousand percent better off than if you just continue relying on your own, your own opinion, your own advice. I think, uh, you, you know, a lot of us, I heard the term when I was doing this event and we use a lot of, uh, what you call me search. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we use a lot of me search versus, you know, uh, research and what we're doing, you know? Um, you know, we, you brought up, uh, Elon Musk earlier when you talk about traffic and you say he just digs the tunnel. Um, what is, what would you say is like, if I had to say, okay, well, Brian, uh, you, you say some of the same things that I've heard Elon say, what's the difference between the two of you? What distinguishes Brian will from someone like an Elon Musk? This is my favorite question. Did you read this somewhere? Are you cheating on me here? Eric? No, man. I, I just get prepped. I man. ask you people know? all the time. What is the difference between you and me and Elon Musk? We're, mm. we're people right now. Mm -hmm. We both, we wear pants, we eat three times a day. We're, we're the only difference between you and me and Elon Musk. It goes back to a couple little things. Yeah. Have you ever heard the phrase that the rich get richer and the poor get poor? True. That's a true statement. Yes. Yep. Yep. And do you know why? Mindset. It's a lot. That's true. It's mindset. That's true. You ever That's heard a, a, a rich guy say, Hey man, if I lost everything today, I could rebuild it in a few years. How is that possible? It's mindset. It's yeah. the way they think. The only difference between me and you and Elon Musk is the way we think. That's it. There's mm -hmm. no other difference. Yeah. I mean, he's got a little Asperger's disease and he's clearly a freaking genius, but it's really just the way you think. So if you want to be, I always say you are who you are and who you are got you where you are. Yep. And if you want to go someplace more, then you need to change who you are. And the only difference between you now and you five years from now are going to be the people you associate with the books you read, the podcasts you listen to, it's the information you're going to put in your brain. That's the only difference between you now and being wherever it is you want to go and doing whatever it is you want to do. You got to think different. Do, do you feel like anyone who has, let's just say if you got the mindset to get you here, that you always need to dial the mindset up for where you want to go? And, and I'm only asking that because I heard Magic Johnson say something, um, he, he said, you know, when I first got into business, you know, I was very interested in talking about $10 million deals. He said, now I don't have time to talk about a $10 million deal. I need to talk about $100 million deals, you know? Um, so do you have to always dial that mindset? And then 
How do you do that? And you mentioned the company you keep. So I will tell you that that um, he's 100% correct. Uh, however, success is a progression of ideas and execution to move you to, to increasing levels of whatever success means to you. Wow. Right? So wow. when he was thinking $10 million deals, that's because that was a reasonable, achievable goal for him. If he started out saying, I'm going to make a billion dollar deal, it would have never happened. Mm -hmm. He wasn't ready. Right. He you wasn't gotta get, ready. You got to get to that first level first. So you can say, yes, I want to be a, make a billion dollars, but let's start with, let's back it down to a hundred million. Let's back it down to 10. Let's back it down to five. Let's back it down to one. I always do things in reverse, right? And let's mm -hmm. build a, a progressive goal set to move us up each level. And each time you get to a new level, you will make, you will, you will increase what you believe that you're able to achieve. Right. It's progression is the deal. I can remember Eric, when I made a hundred thousand dollars a year for the first time and I thought, holy crap. Right. <laughs> and today I will tell you my stock portfolio account makes or loses a hundred thousand a day. And it doesn't bother me when it goes down a hundred thousand a day, but that's because it's a progressive mindset to me. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not worried about making 50 bucks anymore. So mm -hmm. it's all about that progression, right? Build a progression. People, I, I also say that don't fall into the trap of set your goals huge. If you're not, if you're not, your goals aren't so huge. That, no, I don't I set the goal huge, but set a progression of goals so that you can actually achieve. Nobody wants to go through their life failing every single day at every single thing because your goal is so high, you're never going to achieve it. That just mm -hmm. makes you a loser failure in your own mind. And that's going to hold you back. But that's a, that's what a lot of these, you know, coaches out there are selling, you know, one, one of my favorite books is from uh, Jim Collins, good to great. Mm -hmm. And, but, you know, inside the book, he talks about having a BHAG, a big, hairy, audacious goal. Mm -hmm. But then, you know, some people, I, I guess they just see it as going from five bucks to 5 billion. Right. Instead of saying, you know, I want to go from five bucks to 5,000 to 5,000 yes. to half a million, then to 5 million. You know, who's, who's going to be happier? The person that says, I want to make a hundred, a thousand, five thousand, a hundred, and then they actually achieve those goals. I made five, I made ten thousand, I made a hundred. Or the guy who says I want to make a billion and he never gets there, right? And he's failed every day his whole life, and that just drags down on your soul. Hmm. He, he Achieve, said achievable progressive goals. Wow. Inside of your your business, how do you think that people can you know? Because you have this business where nowadays a business is not four walls like it used to be. Right. Mm -hmm. um, how do you build value in your business? By the way, Collins is so high above us that he's setting big goals because they're achievable to him. So be careful. When I said earlier about oh, chasing yeah. the advice of billionaires. Okay. Oh, yeah. Let's go back down to your question. How do I achieve value in my business? Mm -hmm. I guess I would ask what, what you, what your definition of value in a business means. Is that a monetary thing? Is it how many people you're helping? What does value to you mean? And that's a great point too, because it's not always money. It's whatever the service you provide, how valuable or what they perceive it as, you know? So like, for example, if I provide a service to you and that service does so much for you personally or so much professionally, then now what I do for you has a great deal of value. And we're not throwing a monetary figure on it at all, but just still, it's like, it's how you make them feel or, sure. or what you've done for them, you know? I had a conversation with my daughter at dinner last night and she was talking about eventually wanting to start a business. And I questioned her, I said, well, what do you want to do? And she said, I want a business that's part of the community. I want to be there. I want to be the face. When people come in, I want them to say, 
hi, Stephanie, how are you doing today? And I know who they are. And then I want to be able to be involved in my community and give back to my community and know the people in my community. That's her goal in business. It's not, she said, money's good and I need to make maybe a hundred grand, but that's not my drive. My drive is to make enough money to be happy, but also to be a, a, a contributing member of my community. And I was like, well, that's a really good goal. I mean, I didn't have that kind of great wow. goal when I was your age. I just wanted to make money. So clearly my wow. kids are better than me. Well, and that's also mature too. And I, and I think the the mindset of some of the younger folks nowadays in starting a business is a lot more different, you know? Um, you know, because, you know, they are, some of them are simple mm-hmm. and some of the young people, they've traveled more than we have. My so, daughter's so, got more countries than me. She's like 29, I'm 25. But it, exactly. And, and so for them, that's the value of life is, you know, seeing, you know, different lands, different countries, different languages, cuisines, mm-hmm. and, you know, and for the mindset of someone else, you know, uh, who could be a counterpart of yours, value for them is money. Mm-hmm. you know value for them is money and you know it's it's just it's it's such an interesting dynamic in business and um let me ask you this question now you brought up your daughter now um she said she wanted to have a business to be able to help the community there are others that want to have a business just saying i won't be my own boss and i want to make a lot of money mm-hmm. right what do you think is the difference in between the entrepreneur of 10, 15 years ago and the entrepreneur today? Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't even know if I could answer that question. Um, I don't know. I don't know the difference between then. And I was an entrepreneur 15 years ago. I, I think mm-hmm. a lot of times, and I, I use this example, I think people go into business for two reasons. So mm-hmm. the fr- they either go into business because they think they can make a lot of money. They think they can mm-hmm. make more money than their job. Mm-hmm. or they think they're going to go into business to create a lifestyle that is better than the lifestyle they had working at their job. So I think those are the two reasons people do it. It's either money or lifestyle. Yep. yep. Now, when people go into business, I call them the five levels of, of income. Most people get into business and they need to make enough money to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. That's goal number one. Goal number one is not to give back to my community. Goal number one is I have to cover my bills, pay the rent so I can eat and sleep. Once you're paying the bills, the next phase people tend to go into is buying toys, right? So they start buying. So now they got to, like I did this when we sold our first company, I went and bought everything you can possibly imagine because I was out of control. Mm -hmm. If they get past that phase, they tend to go into, uh uh-oh, now I need to start securing my lifestyle phase. I didn't do that with my first business. That's why I lost everything. Too much debt. didn't save anything, had no backup. So now they're Mm -hmm. trying to, to secure their lifestyle. The next one is, what am I going to do for my children? You know, and then the final one is how am I going to set up a legacy and do something for the rest of the world? Wow. Right? So mm-hmm. I think a lot of times you find people that have not built businesses say, well, you should start a business to help the world. And my answer is I don't, I can't help the world right now if I can't pay my mortgage. True. So I need to pay my mortgage first. And then I need to get over my ego problem that I need to buy toys And then I need to secure my future so that what I have can't be taken away from me, then take care of my family. And then I can take care of the rest of the world. So I call this the evolution of making money. Mm. Um, Is that any different today than it was a long time ago? I have no idea. I I think it really depends on the, on the, on the person. It really depends. It depends. I think it depends now that you say that, I think it depends on the person, uh, you know, who, that that's coming up. I still remember this old saying, it was says, 
granddad starts it, dad grows it, junior blows it. Right. So, so let's analyze what I just told you in comparison to what I said about my daughter. My daughter has already got into this whole community thing. Why do you think that is? It's a good trick. Here's a question for you. Why do you think my daughter has already wants to start a business and, and jump ahead of the pay the bills, buy the toys, secure your lifestyle. And she wants to move into the whole community thing. Why would that, why would that be different for her than me? I, th I think for her, she had a mentor in front of her who was you. And she watched, you know, she watched you do the things that she wants to do. And she watched and mm -hmm. learned from you. I think that's a great reason is because she saw it. If I you would, didn't have, if you didn't have an entrepreneur mindset, would she come to you and say, I want to start a business? I, I would love it if that was a hundred percent accurate. And it might be a little, I would mm -hmm. give you a more base human reaction is that she knows that daddy's always going to take care of her. She doesn't have to worry about her future. She doesn't have to buy the toys. She doesn't have to secure her future. Her future, mm -hmm. her future is secured. So she can literally jump step into being the person that's going out. And by the way, she works as a director of development for the Salvation Army. Her whole life has been about helping people. Wow. Good. I, I think there's part of it. And it's just because she knows that her future is taken care of. So she's, she has the opportunity to do higher level community society based things than I did when I started. Wow. There's, there's definitely some, a lot of jewels and nuggets in what we talked about earlier. And one thing that I want people to know is definitely because you have a business license didn't mean that you're an entrepreneur or uh, <laughs> people throw that word CEO around. Yeah. And I, I, I hate the title. I do. I, I, I don't know why. I mean, I know my position, but uh, you know, that's just me personally. Um, I call myself I, a member because I'm a member of my LLC. Great way to look at it. How let's, let's talk about these books. I mean, it takes a lot for someone to say they want to write a book. You had a mentor uh, that told you why in the hell do they want to write? Why the hell do people want to read about you? Yeah. And you had to write about what people wanted to hear. So uh, let's talk about your books, why you wrote the books and you know, what was going through you when you were, uh, did you feel like you got an elephant off your chest when you did that? W weirdly enough, the book that I'm finishing right now, it'll be out next month. The title's been on my computer for 30 years. The first book I wrote, the title's been on my book for uh, since my daughter was 16. So we'll call it 12 or 13 years. Mm -hmm. The first book, and my kids were growing up, I always used to say, hey, life lesson coming up. Life lesson. Listen to me. Here's a life lesson. And so my first book is 37 Life Lessons. Wow. Uh, but the book title is I Give the Dumb Kids Hope. And the reason it's tight, I know you're always like, what? So the story no, I is. Love, I love, it's interesting. The story is, and remember, I failed at a high school, no education, nothing, right? So the story is my kids went to a private school. These private schools load these kids up. They, they're getting them ready for college. And she would sit up till midnight or one o'clock every day doing homework. I would get mad at her all the time. You got to go to bed. You need sleep. One night I go in the kitchen at 1 a.m. She's laying on the floor doing her homework. I said, honey, go to bed. She said, daddy, you're not supporting my educational goals. I have to get a good education to get into a good college, to get a good job. Wow. I said, honey, your education isn't that important. She said, yes, it is. I said, well, then how do you explain me? We're living in a friggin' mansion. I mean, I've got every toy in the world and I failed out of high school. She said, we were talking about you in school the other day and we decided that you give the dumb kids hope. Now, it was a little crack at my daughter about me, <laughs> but that became the title of my first book. But it, my first book is a story of, I had the world stacked against me. I mean, abusive home, failed out of high school, yeah. kicked out at 18, no place to go, no money, no wow. help, no education, severe ADHD, 
Oh my gosh. And yet I persevere. This, the, the baseline of that book is I don't care what your background is. My daughter had to have open heart surgery. I had bad credit. I couldn't get an, I couldn't open a checking account when I started my first business. No matter what your background is, you can succeed if you will continue to learn and persevere. So that's what that book is about. Wow. wow. The second book I started, it's called The Dropout Multimillionaire. And it's, mm-hmm. it's 37 business lessons and how to succeed in business with no money, no education, and no clue. And that was me. No clue what I was doing. And I started out thinking it was going to be more of a technical book. And it ended up being more soft skills, which is what we talked about earlier. It's about yeah. the mentality of success. And why people fail. Most people fail for the same reasons. And a lot of those reasons are ego, by the way. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, in fact, I, I'm working with an incubator up in Ohio. That they're, a, they're a university state funded incubator that brings in these people. And they, they go through a six-week course to learn business tactics. And if they succeed at the course, then the incubator will bring them in, give them money, and teach them. Mm. I said, after all that, what's your success rate? He said, 50% success rate. Mm-hmm. I said, of the 50% that fail that you've done all that work and you bring them in. I said, what's the, what's the number one reason they fail? And he said, ego, that ego will kill you faster than anything else. So I wrote that book. That was the wall street journal USA today. Bestseller did really well. And then the book coming out now is called no. And it's the psychology of sales and negotiation. And it's 40 lessons in negotiation from a street start street, smart negotiator. As I like to say, Every sale you make is a negotiation. They're either you're either negotiating price or you're negotiating whether they should buy something from you. And if you lose that negotiation, they're going to buy it from somebody else. So that's true. We go through a whole book on sales and negotiation tactics, all mental stuff. It's not slick, cheesy lines. It's not hardcore. I'm not manipulating people. It's just understanding the human nature behind why people think the way they do, why they mm-hmm. react the way they do. And how you can overcome objections before the client ever has them. And that's how you become a master salesperson or a master negotiator. Let me ask you this last question. What does no mean for your business? No is the most powerful word in the spoken language. Any sales or negotiation, Richard Branson has a, has a saying. I love Richard Branson. If your first offer doesn't insult them, you offered too much. Okay. So we know that any good negotiator, their first response to whatever you say is going to be no. And so I always tell people, by the way, if you're not good at negotiation, you better bring in someone who is before you go up against a negotiator because they're going to eat your lunch. Yes. Right? Yes. We have what we call the Brian Will School of Negotiation in my company. We have contractors come in. The first thing they tell us, my staff is trained to tell them, my boss is going to say no. So you're going to have to come up with a better price than that. Mm -hmm. And they always do. Right? So especially in business, you have to be so careful with every single dollar in your business. You've You know, no is just a standard response with us. So no will get you out of trouble. It'll keep you from making bad decisions. If you're confused and you don't want to do, you just say no. Uh, And then you go, gives you a chance to step back and think about things. So no is a powerful word. Man, Brian, uh, man, you know, we're not that far from one another. You're in Georgia and I'm in South Carolina here, man. Um, we definitely have to find a way and a time to be able to meet face to face. I I really enjoyed our conversation here, man. Brian, are you in Charleston? Uh, yeah, I'm in Charleston. My buddy has a place uh, right downtown Charleston in the historic district, so I get down there every now and then. I love that town. Well, man, I tell you what, we we got to make sure that we connect. Down sure, hundred percent. Yeah, you know, absolutely. I would love to do that, man, Brian. Um, Brian, tell people how to find your book, uh, how to find your podcast. 
I want them to know exactly, you know, all about Brian Will's social media channels and everything else. As well. Everything is on www.brianwillmedia.com. And it, Dropout MM is on every social media platform out there. But if you just go to the brianwillmedia.com, you can see the podcast, the books, the mastermind group. You can see all that kind of good stuff. Man. Well, I thank you. And, and also tell you, your daughter, I'm proud of her as well. Never met her, <laughs> but I think uh, uh, she's got a great head on her shoulders. And I know exactly where she gets it from. And, I did good. Okay. And, yeah, you did good. <laughs> I want to tell our listeners, man, thank you so much for giving us your most valuable asset, which is your time. I want to thank my amazing guest, Mr. Brian Will. In case you missed it, you know, you, you missed out on a lot, but this guy's got a lot of jewels and gems there for you. Brian, you know, the crazy thing is I'm looking straight in the camera. There's no script here, man. Just, nope. just doing it all, man. Um, so, you know, if you feel this podcast has been great for you or giving you great value, we talked about that word, make sure that you share it to those that you like and love. And also we would appreciate a great rating on the podcast as well. I want to thank my guest, Brian, again. And Brian, we're going to connect on social media as well, man. Thanks, Eric. I appreciate it. Brian, great talk, man. That was a good one. Great, 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 great talk, <clears throat> man. I want to thank you all for giving us your most valuable asset, your time. And also a huge thank you to our sponsors over at Optimizer. For all of you who are running PPC campaigns and you want to see how to do it better and get better results and actually boost the performance of your campaigns and save time, get a free trial at optimizer.com slash go slash VIP.